Welcome to Shrink for the Shy Guy. This is the show for you if you are sick and tired of being held back by fear, self-doubt, social anxiety, shyness, anything that's stopping you from you being you. I'm going to share the most powerful tools and resources that I've been discovering over the last 15 years on my journey to eradicate social anxiety and instill confidence, first in myself and then in every single person that I meet on my journey. You're going to learn these tools and how to apply them in your life now so that you can become the most free, powerful, bold, authentic version of you. Hey, welcome to today's episode of the show. Are you ready to get controversial? Oh yeah, here we go. Because what I'm going to share with you today is profoundly liberating. It's been one of the most liberating things in my life. And that's my mission, Operation Mass Liberation, which is to share anything that's liberating so we can become our most free, bold, most confident self in the world. And whatever it is, I'm going to share it. So I'm on like I'm like a seeker of truth. What is going to provide that for us? Whatever it is, and I've you know even back to my graduate school days, even before then, but especially in graduate school, there was a lot of focus on like, well, what's your what's your theoretical orientation? You know, are you into cognitive behavioral therapy? Are you into uh, psychodynamic therapy or acceptance and commitment therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy? You got to be into some sort of three-letter acronym, DBT, ACT, CBT. And I was like, um, all of them? I don't know. Whatever works, man. Shit, is, is jumping up and down a theoretical orientation? Because I found that to be extremely liberating for people. So, uh, you know, but, uh, and that continues to this day where I'm just very open-minded. I'll read anything. I'll study anything, no matter how out there it seems. And if it works, I incorporate it and I use it. And... To that end, I wanted to share something with you today that can be profoundly liberating to help you radically and permanently heal any sort of physical, ongoing, chronic pain. Even pains that you might think of as an injury. Um, like The vast majority of physical pain could just be totally eliminated. And uh, that might seem uh, amazing, actually, if, you've, if you spend any time with back pain or neck pain or shoulder pain or anything that's limiting you from being able to work out, use your body, uh, be fit and be active. Because, you know, a big part of confidence is to be able to use our bodies. And when we feel limited in some way, we feel stuck, we feel discouraged or anxious or um, uh, hopeless about our physical abilities, then, uh, you know, our confidence goes down. Life looks less compelling and exciting. So I want to share something that's going to liberate you profoundly in that area. And the reason it's controversial is because it is uh, unfortunately fringe. It, it is not accepted in the mainstream medical community. And there's uh, very specific reasons for that, which I will get into a little bit later in the episode. But uh, most of what I'm going to be sharing is coming from uh, the pioneer of this uh, was Dr. John Sarno, who you may have heard of. He wrote a book called Healing Back Pain, as well as The Mind-Body Prescription, and then uh, his third book was The Divided Mind. And he, uh, I'm going to kind of basically, in a nutshell, share what his theories are. Um, and then I'm also going to reference uh, other books I've read around this. Uh, one was written by Steve Ozanich called uh, The Great Pain Deception. And we are extremely uh, fortunate to actually have Steve be doing an interview with us, which will be airing the first half of uh, next week and then the second half of the week after that. Really good stuff. So these next three weeks are going to be all about this. And this doesn't just apply to physical pain, though. This applies to anxiety and depression and other things. What you're going to learn is there's a pathway, there's a, a pattern that can create so much suffering 
that we can learn how to eliminate. And that's why this is so exciting, and that's why I have to share it with you. So I'm going to do my best here. This is like I've been studying this for four years now, and I've read like you know, dozens of books on this and hundreds of just hours of audio and interviews and everything. So I'm going to try to distill it all down into the most uh, you know refined, specific stuff, just, just what you need to know. And then if you want to go further with this stuff, you know, look up some of the resources like Dr. John Sarno, S-A-R-N-O. Just go to Amazon.com. I think Healing Back Pain at this point has like 1,700 reviews or something and, and you know, just life-changing story after life-changing story. And you heard my story as well a couple episodes back uh, about my own experience with chronic pain. So here, uh, here, here we go. Let's dive in. Basically, uh, so much of the pain that we think and are taught is structural is not structural, as in there's nothing wrong with your body. So your back hurts. And the first thing you do is you say, well, what did I do? Did I fall over? Did this happen? Or your neck hurts and you say, did I sleep on it wrong? Did this, I sat at my computer too much? We think physical. And we've been trained. You know, It's natural to think that way, but we've also been trained to think that way. And entire industries uh, of medicine, like orthopedics, will reinforce that. So if you got a back pain, you'll go, go to the doctor and they'll give you an x-ray or an MRI or something and they'll look inside of your body and they'll say, mm, yeah, your pain is due to a bulge in the disc, you know, L4, L5 or whatever. This is pinching on the nerve and that's going down your leg. That's why you have pain in your leg. And you'll get a structural explanation for your pain. Same goes for if you have stomach pain or you got jaw pain or your foot hurts or anything. You go to see a doctor and they will say you have a structural problem with your body. And then they'll recommend something to fix it, uh, physical therapy or massage or chiropractic or surgery or drugs to suppress the symptoms. And here's the thing. When it comes to back pain and a lot of other chronic pain, none of that stuff works. None of it. it not in the long term, not consistently. And there's tons of people that get surgeries. And then, you know, a little while later, they're, they're worse or, yeah, that's better. But now the pain is in a new place. And I'll explain why that happens in a little bit. So we have to start looking at like, okay, there's a problem here. What, what's, what we're taught isn't working, so what's actually going on? And that's what John Sarno discovered. So he was a, a doctor from the same sort of mainstream training. He wasn't like a you know, mental health or psychiatry uh, doctor or anything like that. He was a, you know, from the physical side. But, and he was just treating patient after patient with all these chronic problems, back pain, and, and they weren't getting any better. He's recommending physical therapy and then some surgery and, and nothing was happening consistently and, he, and it felt terrible. And then he started to identify that the people that were coming to see him had sort of some trends in the way that they were in the world. So he started to question personality and then he started to question emotion. And that led him down this, this fascinating discovery that all of this pain was not due to a structural abnormality, but what was due to um, emotional challenges. And that the problem is, the reason we don't want to accept that is because it involves um, acknowledging a few things. One is that uh, we are have some emotional challenge going on. And in our culture, you know, especially in the United States, but I think, you know, it's even worse in other countries, but a lot of most places in the world to acknowledge, uh, you know, I'm affected strongly by emotions is weakness. 
or perceived that way or we're afraid that it's going to be perceived that way. So there's just shame. So instead of saying that, we're like, no, there's no nothing emotionally going on with me. Just my back hurts from lifting that heavy sack of concrete four years ago. Yeah, yeah, it still hurts. That's right. Off and on. Off and on, though. Right? It's like that makes us sound okay or tough. And, you know, emotional issues make us sound weak. So that's one thing. Another thing is to really get to the bottom of this, we have to acknowledge that we're made up of two parts, a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. And, you know, Freud and Jung and all these old old school uh, psychiatry or psychoanalyst guys, they knew that. I mean, and people still know that today. But in mainstream culture and especially in uh, medical sciences, that's like you don't go there. And that was the whole schism in like uh, – if you know anything about the history of behaviorism with B.F. Skinner, like they basically wanted to say, no, we can explain the human animal through like behavior and conscious thought. You don't need to go into this unconscious stuff. That's too messy. We, don't, we you know, we defy that. And so that's kind of what led into a lot of uh, the thought in, in Western medicine. And so the result is we have to, to heal this stuff. We have to acknowledge that there's an unconscious part of us. And we're going to get into that in a little bit uh, as well. But so there's some blocks to this. And, uh, and then in a little bit, I'll talk about kind of maybe mass suppression of this information and why it doesn't get out. And then I'll get my tinfoil hat on and we'll have a good time. But let's, uh, let's keep talking here. And in fact, in this episode, we're probably not going to take breaks just because I want to uh, make sure we get into everything. And this is so important. I am like determined to help you get this. And for some of you listening, this is going to totally hit a chord and it's going to open up a new chapter in your life. And for some of you, it's just going to be another thing you listen to and no big deal. And that's okay. You know, everyone's ready at different times. I myself was given one of Dr. Sarno's books by a friend and didn't read it for like two years. I mean, I flipped it through it when he, when he first gave it to me, but I didn't even read it for two years. And um, then even after reading it, um, I had to do a lot of study before I actually was able to heal a lot of these chronic pain conditions. So... How does this all work? How does anxiety or other emotions, how do emotions create pain in the first place? So here's how it goes. Basically, as I said, you're not just the conscious you. There's a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. And that means we have a lot of things that we're not aware of happening inside of us. Obviously, all the biological functions in your body you're not aware of. Your digestion, your breathing. I mean, you can kind of control your breathing. But a lot of that stuff just operates below our conscious awareness. In addition, though, we have uh, perceptions from the world around us that we're not aware of. You know, um, that's why the whole subliminal thing is they could flash something in front of your eyes real fast and you don't consciously know you saw it, but your body reacts. <laughs> They've done some interesting research on uh, with all kinds of stuff, whether it's violent or sexual imagery. They'll have someone watching a screen, you know, of like, I don't know, fucking a deer in the forest or something. And then for just like a, a blip, and I think it's, is it, if it's under 100 milliseconds, I don't know the cutoff, but there's a cutoff where if it flips on and goes away within that, within that time frame, then your conscious mind doesn't register it. So if you were to say, did you see a flip, you know, some image on that screen, the person would say no. But their physiology responds to the image. So if there is a, uh, you know, violent image or a um, sexually, I don't know, provocative image, then our heart rate or other measures of our body responding will show that there was a response. Like we'll get a spike in our heart rate or our breathing will change, even though we didn't consciously acknowledge it. So that's another aspect that's unconscious. 
But most relevant to this discussion is we also uh, will have reactions to things that we're not aware of. And there are parts of us, inside of us, that react in ways that we don't consciously even know. And in fact, our, our conscious mind doesn't really even want to know how other parts of us are reacting. And this uh, was really pioneered by uh, Sigmund Freud, where he did a lot of, you know, the, the quote, talking cure with people back in the Victorian era, where they were having all kinds of crazy symptoms, like paralysis in their bodies and unable to speak and, of course, anxiety and other things, too. And what he found is that, especially in that era, people were so repressed. They, like, had to look a certain way and sexuality was bad and they had to present themselves in this way and not that way and be proper and all that. And it turns out that they had another part of them inside that they hid away, that made they made unconscious. And that was all the stuff that's sort of uh, more unacceptable to your society. And he called this the id. And it's the primal impulse. It's a, It operates on pleasure-seeking. And it's like, I want the cookie and I want it now. I want sex. I want sex with you even though I don't know you or even though you're not my spouse. You know, I want uh, a, a violence. Like a part of us would want to, you know, attack someone or kill someone or rage at someone. And the idea is that we actually have these responses inside of us, but they're kind of disturbing, right? To imagine like me have a violent thought? No, I wouldn't hurt a fly. Me want to have sex with that person? No, please. I, I would never consider such a thing, right? That's what our conscious mind thinks. But unconsciously, we have all these impulses, not just, you know, sex and violence, but also uh, the id, which operates on pleasure, does not want to do uncomfortable stuff. It just wants pleasure. So responsibilities. Uh, go do this for work. Go interact with your boss. Go, you know, take care of your sick uncle. Go, you know, tend to your kid when you would rather be watching a movie, right? Whatever it is, take out the trash. Your spouse told you to. There, this, there's going to be parts of us inside that react. And that is important because that's related to pain. How so? Well, it turns out that having reactions inside of us is no problem at all, just part of being human. The problem comes when our conscious mind, somewhere in there, well, somewhere between the border between conscious and unconscious, there's a decision being made that says, that stuff down there in the unconscious, that stuff's like not pretty. That stuff's dangerous and threatening. In fact, if that stuff comes out, we're screwed. You know, if, if, if he or she becomes aware of what's going on down there, we're screwed. So what we need to do, you know, it's going to damage our lives. It's too threatening to our self-image. We, we got to get rid of it. We got to keep it down. And, but unfortunately, it might start to rise towards our awareness. Enter chronic pain. So then we get this chronic pain focus. Oh, I woke up, oh, my back hurts. What's going on with my back? And have you ever noticed that when you're, when you're in pain, how many times per day will you focus on the pain? Like 20, 50, 100, 500? It could be happening like many times per minute. Oh, man, when's, oh, how long is this going to be here? When's this going to go away? Oh, man, how long have I felt this? Oh, is it this? Is it that? Should I take this or should I not take that? Oh, am I not going to be able to go to that activity next week? Whatever. You just focus on it for, for endlessly. And so we're absorbed in that physical pain. And that absorption is exactly the point. It becomes a distraction that then pulls your attention away from the unsightly stuff in your unconscious mind. 
enter pain, and then the pain can last for as long as it needs to. Months, years, decades. In my case, it was decades. So how are we doing so far? I know this is a crash course, and you know you may have heard stuff like this before, and this could be reinforcement, or this could be totally new for you. And it's sort of uh, it's a lot to take in. I understand that. In fact, some people describe when they first read uh, one of Sarno's books, literally throwing the book across the room in frustration. You know, because their back's hurting. They're like, ah, oh, this is so painful. What's this guy got to say? This is emotional. What? Screw you, right? Because they, they feel like, oh, you're saying it's all in my head? Huh? You say it's made up? It's like, well, no, the pain is real. And he goes on in great length to talk about that. No, the pain is real. He's like, in, in, I've never seen actually anything so painful in clinical medicine. This pain can be more severe than broken bones, um, than cuts, lacerations. Like this pain is real and it's intense. What I'm saying is that the source of the pain is not a bulging disc or a whatever tense muscle group or something like that. The source of the pain is oxygen deprivation. And that's just his best guess. Uh, they don't. That's his best guess at the mechanism. So that's like basically what happens is your your autonomic nervous system, which controls your breathing and blood flow and a million other things, kicks into gear, restricts a little bit of blood to a certain area of your body, and then boom, you can get massive pain there. You can get stiffness. You can get an inability to walk. You can get numbness. You can get tingling. If it restricts blood to muscles, you get spasm and tightness and pain. If it restricts it to a tendon, you get extreme tendon pain in your finger, your wrists, or what could be called carpal tunnel syndrome. If it restricts it to nerves, you get weird symptoms like weakness, tingling, foot drop, all kinds of other stuff. So the autonomic nervous system is like the master control switch, and it can flick on and off whatever it needs to. So the pain is due to that, but the pain is not uh, damaging. There's nothing wrong with your body. And not only that, but you don't need anything crazy to fix it. You don't need surgery to fix it. You don't need massive interventions to fix it. You don't need to do a thousand back strengthening exercises to fix it. You need to understand your unconscious mind and how it's working. That's how you fix it. And that's how Sarno treated thousands of people. And through his books, I mean, a million people, uh, a million copies of his book, Healing Back Pain, have been, have been purchased. And so, and, and that's how it's healing all these people. Is there, I mean, how can a book heal you? And he calls it knowledge therapy. He's like, look, by understanding this, you can heal all this. So let's talk about how that works. First and foremost, he says, the people that heal say, this is not a structural problem. This is an emotional problem. The pain is due to repressed emotion, not a structural abnormality. And when you are ready to believe that, that's when the healing begins. And I understand that that's hard. In fact, he does a, a lecture treatment as part of the way he treats his patients. And they have a video DVD of him doing this. And, um, you know, 80% of the questions from the audience are like some variation of this. So my doctor told me that it was due to this bulge blue in my disc, blah, blah, blah. Are you saying that's not the case? And he'd say like, yes, in my experience, that's not the case. And then like two minutes later, someone else would raise their hand and say, my doctor said it was due to this problem in my shoulder. Are you saying that's not the case? And he answers that question like 30 times. But that's because we all have gotten, you know, especially if you went to go get an MRI or something like that, and, it, and you get this real, you know, you get the, the lab coat authority archetype of the doctor who's like, I know more than you, and this is what it is. 
this is the thing that you have, and we have a name for it, and the name has got Latin in it. And obviously I know what I'm talking about. And we're like, oh, shit, yeah, I guess so. Ah. Right? And so it's, it's, a real, it's about a process of reprogramming ourselves. And that's why this is about liberation, because it's taking the power back to you. It's like, look, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You can heal this. So first and foremost, we have to accept uh, that basically repudiate the structural diagnosis is what he says. You must reject the structural diagnosis and accept that this is due to repressed emotion. Then, then you got to look f- and work on finding the repressed emotion in your life. And he says, okay, well, there's really, um, remember, remember that part of you, the id, right? The id that's like pleasure seeking. So you want to find out um, where it's upset. And there are, he found there's three major contributing sources to the repressed emotion. One, stuff from childhood. And that's, uh, a, there's, a, there's a reservoir of feeling that most people have from childhood that we just don't want to go into. And we, we don't pretend it's not there. We say, no, childhood was great. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. Everything was fine. But there's actually all kinds of stuff usually there. And it doesn't have to be intense or traumatic. And in fact, a lot of ways, uh, people think their childhood was fine consciously. But unconsciously, there were, were dozens or hundreds of small, medium, or large moments of pain or wounding. And we just moved on with life, probably didn't talk about it with anyone, probably didn't feel much about it, and just carry on as usual. So he said childhood stuff is one major contributor. Another one is your present-day life stressors. So financial stress, marital stress, um, you know, your boss. But a lot of this is the unconscious part of you, right? Like maybe you're like, no, my work is fine. Like, yeah, I'm a little annoyed at my boss, but whatever. But the id inside of you might be like, God damn all these pressures. You know, F my boss. I want to smash him in the face. And no, I don't want all these pressures on me. Or I want to quit this job, right? More, it, maybe it's more resistant than you think. And uh, maybe it's more irrational than you th- see yourself as. And then the third area of, of uh, contrib- contributing to the unconscious repressed emotion is um, personality traits. And he found that uh, people that develop this kind of pain, uh, there's, I think they came up with a total of six or seven, but the two biggest personality types were perfectionistic. That means hard driving, want to get it perfect, want to get it right, always striving to get to the next level, not satisfied with where you are, get to the next thing, do, 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 achieve, 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 achieve. And the other one is uh, goodism, which I would call like a nice guy or nice person. So that's like people pleasing, no conflict. I want everyone to like me. I want everyone to get along. I'll do whatever it takes, giving a lot, uh, maybe overextending yourself, definitely the opposite of selfish, very self-sacrificing. Uh, that those people would develop it as well. Which makes sense, right? Because that is enraging to the id inside of you. To have all these perfectionistic demands that your inner kid that doesn't want to do all this stuff, that's just pleasure-driven, it's like, forget that, man, and it gets pissed off. Or, you know, go do all these things for other people, forget that. just want to do something fun for me. So those are the, the major contributors to the, the pain, is those, those three personality, or the three um, areas, childhood, present stressors, and personality. And childhood can also include, I don't know, stressors from earlier in your life. So maybe something happened in your 20s, right? But the past. But childhood is a big one. That was a big one. And for me to do this healing, I found that I had to do a lot around present stressors, a lot around personality, and to really heal this stuff at its deepest root, I had to go into childhood in ways that I never had before. It was very uncomfortable, and I didn't want to do it. But... You know, when, you, when you're 
really willing to do what it takes. Um, I was like, well, what do I want? Do I want to be free? Do I want to be out of pain? Then, okay, I can do this. And at some point you learn like, oh, emotional pain and emotional discomfort is not, it's not that bad. It's not, uh, I can handle it, basically. You get more skill at handling it. And there's lots of tools and ways to go about it. I use journaling where I would just journal every morning. Um, in fact, I, would, I made up a, a list of like, what are things from my childhood that I'd imagine could have caused me pain? Certain memories, certain patterns that would get replayed. You know, like um, playing soccer and having my dad yell at the, on the sidelines and be really angry or upset with me. Like, how did that affect me? And then just journaling about that again and again until I actually felt the feelings that were there. Sometimes it took several passes or more because at first it was like I didn't feel much. And then eventually I could feel scared or sad. And eventually I could feel anger. And what Sarno discovered is that one of the principal repressed emotions that causes the, the pain is anger. Because that's the one that's the most threatening in our lives. We kind of push that one down. That's the one that makes us, you know, we don't like the way we look if we're angry about stuff. And that's also the, the message that we're taught the most as kids. It's the emotion that that people want to suppress in their children most, anger and aggression. So finding anger, finding rage, as he called it. And rage could be like anger, just deep hatred of someone. And usually it's people close to you. There's a part of you that's like hating your dad or your mom or your spouse or even your kids. And here's the distinction, though. This doesn't mean you go like act out a rage fest. This means in the privacy of a journal or with a therapist or talking to a close friend, you are able to share what the, from this part of you. But journaling being one of the key pieces to be able to do it. And you contain it there. You don't go rage at your kids or something like that. But you say, yeah, a part of me does feel this way. And, you know, I touch on this to some, a little bit of a degree in my, in my book, uh, Not Nice, where I talk about owning your shadow. But we really have to be able to open up to this. And, you know, as Sarno was pointing out, you the amount of this stuff that you have to feel and the amount of it that you have to acknowledge is unclear. It's different for everyone. But really the process of becoming very just aware. And so when the pain exists, it comes up, you don't say, oh no, I'm damaged. You say, whoa, whoa, hey, this is just emotion. Let me focus on the emotion. You start to remove uh, the effectiveness of that distraction. So it starts to not work over time. And uh, there's another huge component to this uh, which I want to mention briefly here, which is, you know, so this all the source of it is all this repressed emotion, right? But the way it perpetuates for months, years, or decades is also through conditioning. So the pain that you feel in your back come, is coming from your body trying to distract you away from uncomfortable emotions, right? That's the key piece that I want you to get. But then there you are in pain, you don't know why, right? Because until listening to this, maybe you didn't even know what was going on. You don't know why. It's like, oh, my back hurts. And we start to look around for why it hurts. And what do we look for? Physical cues. Oh, I was sitting on that chair. Okay, don't sit on soft chairs. Check. Now we have a behavioral conditioned cue. Soft chairs equal pain. Then you're driving in your car and you're using a stick shift or whatever, you're driving your car for an hour or something, and then you get out and your back hurts or your foot hurts or your neck hurts or whatever hurts, your wrist hurts, and you're like, ah, because I was driving in the car. Okay, don't drive, don't drive a stick shift or don't drive for an hour. And, you know, then you are jogging and it hurts, and you're like, okay, don't, can't run, right? So we, we start to develop all these associations. And 
those are all reinforced by a lot of the medical community. So, you know, there's this unfortunately pervasive idea that says you're fragile and weak. And they don't tell it to you directly, but they say, yeah, you know, bend over, don't pick that up that way and lift it that way. And oh, yeah, you shouldn't run. You can't run on pavement. Humans aren't meant to run anyway. And yeah, well, you can't play vigorous sports. Nope, nope, can't do that. You know, and and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that happens when you sit at a computer, it's going to mess you up. Like all of these things that are you know put forth by your chiropractor, or massage therapist or orthopedist or podiatrist and and none of it is based on actual science and evidence. It's just a bunch of folklore bullshit that's just passed down. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. You can't run. People aren't designed to run. But they say it with total certainty as if it came from some super credible source in their medical training through the annals of time. Right. But no, these are just opinions. These are just things that they heard from someone or it's it's not as well founded as you think. The truth is the human body is strong, that if you break your bone in half, it will refuse and come back together more strong than it was. And yet the idea that we could hurt ourselves, you know, mowing your lawn and then seven years later, off and on your back still hurts. That's not right. That's not how our bodies work. Our bodies heal rapidly. And so the truth is you're not weak. And so part of overcoming this pain is also being able to resume the physical activity and basically break all of that associative conditioning, which I went on a process of, which you heard about in the episode, uh, two episodes back about I am an athlete. You heard about my journey with that, right? So that's that's a huge thing that we want to get is like we it's, it's so much association but the truth is the real reason for the pain is the emotions and that's why john sarno says you know think psychological not structural so your back's hurting instead of being like oh it's because i was sitting in the car you say oh my back's hurting i wonder what's going on what am i upset about in my life and you start to focus on that you start to dig you start to look and the more you do that the more you open up the door for this massive transformation and, you know, that's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. So if you say, I'm going to look for the emotion. Okay, I looked at some emotions. The pain's still here. I've done this for 20 minutes. This shit doesn't work. It's not going to work that way. you got to commit. And if you really want support on this journey, I highly recommend going to tmswiki.com. T-M-S-W-I-K-I, letter T, letter M, letter S, tmswiki. Uh, just look it up on Google or type it in directly huge amount of just an incredible online community forums, uh, just like thousands of people who are reading Sarno and other people's works and uh, applying it and like really helping other people, you know, go through the process, learn and grow together. One last thing I'll say about this is you might be wondering like, wow, this is, this sounds different or this is new. I've never heard anything like this before. This sounds so different. This sounds fringe. I, you know, I don't believe this because if this was true, then we would all know this by now, right? Uh, well, <laughs> I like that. Uh, I like your trust. And um, unfortunately, I don't think that's how the world works from my study, which is that information is not freely spread. You know, the control of information is determined by different forces. So what you hear about is actually strongly influenced. And there are a lot of momentum in the medical industry to really not have a solution to back pain and other chronic pain. I know that sounds terrible, but think about it. You have surgeons whose entire livelihood is doing back surgeries. You have chiropractors whose entire life and training and identity is about doing this kind of physical manipulation. You have people that have spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in education and in 10 years of their life and grueling hours to be orthopedists. 
And you think their mind's going to be open to something like this. They're going to say, what are you talking about? Of course. You know, and then they have all the status and the stature of society saying, no, 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 this is the right way. So what happens is that information is suppressed. And it's not only suppressed within the medical community, but the larger uh, medical industry does not, you know, uh, all of the medicines that are prescribed for, for back pain and other conditions that are related to it. Like I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder and given a different medication for that. Like there is, these, we're talking about billions of dollars and there's so much pressure on that. So the idea of, hey, you can do this and you can heal yourself and you don't need, you know, expensive, crazy, expensive surgeries and you don't need medicines for the rest of your life and there's nothing wrong with you and you don't even need to go see a chiropractor and all this stuff. Um, there's no money in that. And so how is that information, who is going to disperse that information? Who has a voice that's loud enough to disperse that? The, the, the biggest voices in the world are ones that have huge amounts of money behind them. So lobby groups that support the pharmaceutical industry or you know, the, the people that have a lot of money can get their voice out there. And so how is this spread? This is spread through word of mouth. And there's people that are doing their part, like um, Howard Stern is a huge fan of Dr. John Sarno. In fact, just look up on YouTube, Howard Stern, John Sarno, and he'll talk about it. He's got a big voice, right? He's got a big platform. But there's uh, not that much industry behind this. So as a result, it's small and it's grassroots. And that's why you haven't heard about it. But it is powerful until now. <laughs> now you've heard about it. And I'm just, uh, you can probably tell I'm fired up about this. Uh, I just deeply have seen how incredible the transformation has been. And if you want to hear about that and you haven't listened to the episode two episodes ago about my identity shift with this stuff, um, and just listen to that. It's pretty inspiring. Not just me, but my, my wife as well. So there's just so much here. And uh, man, my, my brain is so full. I feel like I could have like a five-hour Q&A with you if you have any questions about this. But uh, really just go to TMS Wiki if you're at all intrigued. Um, get one of John Sarno's books. And for some of you, this is going to be the seed that sprouts into total life change for you. Some of you, this will be something that uh, maybe the seed will sprout right away. And maybe it'll, you know, like me, it took two years before I opened that book. And usually what happens is people got to be ready. The pain's got to be intense enough and you got to have tried enough conventional stuff to be like, uh, it's not working. Okay, now I'm desperate and ready enough. And uh, and that's a good thing, right? And then for some of you, um, you know, maybe this is just something you share with someone else or it applies to someone else in your life or, um, or you know, you never need it. But that's okay because uh, my goal is to just reach those who are, who are ready with this stuff. But thank you for being with me in this episode. I know this is a little bit different. What, what's going to be really cool is, is to even further understand the psychology of this. We got one of the most brilliant people who studied this in and out like crazy. Um, I mean, the guy's one of the most well-read people I've ever met. His name's Steve Ozanich, and uh, he wrote a book called The Great Pain Deception, as well as another book called Back Pain Permanent Healing. So it's going to be an honor to have him on the show. Stay tuned for that next week. And until we speak again, may you have the courage to be who you are and to know on a deep level that you're awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Shrink for the Shy Guy with Dr. Aziz. If you know anyone who can benefit from what you've just heard, please let them know and send them a link to shrinkfortheshyguy.com. For free blogs, ebooks, and training videos related to overcoming shyness and increasing confidence, go to socialconfidencecenter.com.